The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips show, everyone. Byron White here, your host. I'm here with Katie Farber. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Right on. You're the author of Why Great Teachers Quit and How We Might Stop the Exodus. We're very excited to chat with this incredibly challenging problem. Tell us about the book when you published it, what what incredible spirit you must be bringing to the table with this particular problem. Oh, well, I, I've been teaching since my 11th year of teaching right now that I'm in, and I teach 5th and 6th grade, and I had a, a fabulous um, teacher that I was mentoring. She was in her second year teaching, and um, I had been working with her all year, and, you know, I'd seen her in and out of um, stressful situations, and um, I'd seen her really working hard, and it was clear to me she was born to be a teacher. She was she was amazing. She had my pre-adolescent students doing things like making homemade instruments and singing out loud and dancing, and she was she was incredible. She worked well with parents and with colleagues, and um, it was, I was thrilled to have her, and in fact, I was looking forward to my two young daughters having her someday. Um, so I was, I was really stunned when, at the end of that year, she said she wasn't um, coming back, and in fact, she was leaving teaching altogether. Um, so I, I was, uh, you know, devastated by that whole thing, and so was the, the community. Um, so I, I sort of pulled back and started researching teacher attrition, and I, I quickly learned that one in three teachers quit um, in three years, and that it moves up to 50% um, and higher in the first five years, particularly in a high poverty. Um, well, low-performing schools, and so um, it, it just, I, I thought, we have to look for answers here. There's, are there more people like, like my friend Abby, um, and, and, and what's going on? So I started talking to friends of mine that had quit, and then colleagues, and um, friends of friends, and before I knew it, I ended up having a set of interview questions, and I really started to look into um, literature and thinking about solutions, and, um, and then I found a publisher, and I just it took off from there. Now, I want our guests to just know that you're also the author of the popular green parenting blog called Non-Toxic Kids. Um, You've also been featured in the Washington Post, the Richmond Times-Dispatch, the Toronto Star, Enviroblog, Terrain Magazine, so we're really honored to have you on the show. But if you were to answer that one question, namely, how might we stop the exodus, can, can we just begin our discussion with the complexities of how to stop this problem? Yes, I absolutely think the clear message um, is that we've got to be thinking about teacher sustainability, and I haven't heard many people talking about the fact that most of America's teachers right now feel like they're treading water, and and people keep throwing bricks at them, and and they just have to hold them, and they have to continue to tread water, and and surely the bricks are regional. It depends on where you live and the challenges that are in that particular school and community, But, um, but the overwhelming sense that I got from every teacher that I listened to was that that there's more and more they're being asked to do, and particularly now with um, our financial situation nationwide, with less and less. Um, and this just leads to really uh, unhealthy things, unhealthy teachers, um, people people quitting. You know, it's just, 
it's not a good situation, and, and I don't. I think it's one of the things that we really have to look at to improve education from the inside out. We've really got to be listening to the teachers and what they need. Mm-hmm. And, and do you do you have <clears throat> in in your research in your studies? Did you did you review any other countries that are handling education in a different way, or have any basis for which us to compare? Our uh, seemingly pathetic educational uh, systems here in the in the U.S. Have you studied I, any of the other programs abroad? I did. Um, I looked at um, just some of the higher performing European countries and learned that um, the U.S. interestingly has more time, direct time teaching, and less time collaborating and doing professional development on a daily basis. Oh. And that's where we really need to move towards is, is uh, school embedded. You know, professional development that, that gets teachers what they need, but does it within a school day. Um, and I, I've seen that, that that's happening in, in other countries, and it seems to be working a lot better where they're, they're doing professional development that matters to them, but it's not another add-on. So it's not an evening class that takes away from their health or their, their family time. It's, mm-hmm. it's built into their day. And maybe their days are a little bit longer, you know, that we've got to be considering all of these things. But I do know there's even there's a school... Um, out in California, that has 90 minutes of built-in collaboration time a day, and what that is, it changes on a on a daily basis. I'm sure on a weekly basis, based on what the student need is and what the curriculum needs are. But they have this built-in time where they can actually do this work together, and and I just marvel at how much could be accomplished um, if you had that kind of time every day. Um, what what kind of curriculum could you actually develop that that led from one year to the next that was really comprehens- comprehensive or or behaviors that you know as a student that you were concerned about you could bring it to some experts and they could help you figure it out. Um, this kind of work is real and meaningful, and, and teachers just don't have the time to do it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the some of the problems, of course, are, are you know longevity and, and motivating teachers to stay. Um, but are there other problems? Are teachers burning out? Are they just frustrated with the existing systems? Is, is it a monetary issue? What do you think some of the reasons for the exodus re- really are? Okay, so what, what I did is I, I took, um, I, I, I interviewed people via phone and by per- in person and also on um, two different blogs that I had set up. One was for teachers who had quit and one was for teachers who were staying to, to get some of their um, advice and ideas. And I broke it out into um, standardized testing culture um, working working conditions, um, ever higher expectations, bureaucracy, and respect and compensation. I put together in one chapter because to me they seem to walk hand in hand. Um, parents and administrators and school boards. Those are the, the, the topics. Now certainly those aren't um, exhaustive, but those are the ones that I heard told to me in many different ways over and over again um, during this process. So again, I want to ask that question: Is it is it a is it a reward problem? Is it is it a monetary problem? Did, were you able to pinpoint you know the reasons for 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 teachers you know wanting to leave the profession, um, or is it just leaving the school system? By the way, or you know, and and how many? So maybe we could just get get a feel for why people are are, are leaving. Is there a pinpoint that you can have on it? Well, it's, you know, I really did feel like it, it varied depending on situations because you yeah. look at a, a state like New York, you know, mm-hmm. they're, I think, second or third in the nation for pay. And uh, some of the people that I interviewed from over there in New York were saying um, that the, their respect, they felt really valued in their communities and they could actually live in the towns in which they teach. Um, mm-hmm. they, they just sort of felt that they were able to, to even be better because of their increased compensation. So there's that piece. 
Um, but then certainly in New York, I'm sure um, in, in other urban areas, you have working conditions challenges. So somebody mm-hmm. in that in New York, maybe in urban, you know, in New York City, might say mm-hmm. that you know it's the violence in their schools that that drove mm-hmm. them out, particularly the growing right. trauma of violence against. Them. Um, but somebody right. in maybe you know my state of Vermont is, um, I think it's thirty something um, for teacher pay, and mm-hmm. maybe that's you know that's this, another person's reason is that they're they're in the middle of the road or, or lower, um, and they're mm-hmm. just not feeling like they can make ends meet with teaching. So I really feel like it varies, but I do feel like there's that sense of, of, of being overwhelmed and being overcommitted and trying to do too much with too little that pervades teachers nationwide. It just it varies on what the particular situation is because, you know, state to state and school to school, it's, it's so different. You've got some fantastic tips that are going to address those problems, and I can't wait to get to them. But I've got another, of course, um, I'm like a curious cat over here and ask <laughs> often difficult questions, so I'll keep carrying on if you can endure it. But one oh, yeah. of the questions is, is public versus private? Did, did you find any discrepancy of, of, you know, of, 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 of problems um, that were common amongst, uh, or, or did you see the same thing happening in public versus private schools? Well, I really did focus, um, since I'm a public school teacher and, um, right you know, the study, I really did focus on public schools because that's where my, my real interest lies um, in that and really looking at our public school system and how to make it work better and make teaching more sustainable. So I really did focus on public schools. Mm-hmm. And you use the word great in your title. <laughs> Why mm-hmm. great teachers quit? Did you find, in fact, that a higher percentage of of you know, uh, let's call them more famous and more more popular, uh, or whatever. However, we want to define great. I guess that's an interesting uh, philosophical yeah. debate we could have as well. But definitely. Um, but but um, but we're, uh, is it is it the case that in fact the great teachers, the, the high achievers, the high performers are in fact leaving at an alarming pace? Was that part of the conclusion? Well, one of the the um, beginnings of this whole project was I came across a little data. Um, segment, a little data point that, that made me really stop and think about this particular idea. And it was, it was just um, a piece of evidence that was from the Research and Development Institute um, that came out in 2004, and it, it said that teachers who do make a speedy exit from teaching have a greater measured ability, and certainly we could debate what that greater, greater measured ability is. But, um, but once I found that and I thought about, you know, of course, anecdotally, the friend and colleague that I had who quit, um, I'm, I'm thinking that teachers who leave might have had higher expectations for what the career would be like and have the potential mm. to be great, as most teachers do, with time and training. Um, so it is a little bit subjective, but I did find some data to point to that, and that was actually one of the things that got me started on the whole project. Very interesting. huh? Well, I want to take a quick break with everybody here and then uh, come back with some, some great tips that you have for for hoping to stop uh, people from leaving this incredibly important, critical uh, role that we have in our, frankly, our overall society. So back in just a minute, everybody, with some great tips and advice for anybody even thinking about the teaching profession or within the teaching profession. Back with you in a minute, everybody. Thanks for listening in. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money. You can promote any product immediately. No contracts required. Looking for recurring commissions? Upsell products? ClickBank's got them. 
And best of all, you can make up to 75% commissions. Ready to become the next ClickBank success story? Sign up now for free at ClickBank.com. Hey, Joel Com here, and I want you to hear something. That's my ka button, and it's the universal sound of success. Sounds good, doesn't it? How would you like to hear that ka sound all the time? In my new book, ka How to Run an Online Business That Pays and Pays, I lay out a strategy and a plan for you to create your own online success. Get your copy today at ka and I'll give you a ka button for free. All the details are there at kachingbook.com. That's K-A-C-H-I-N-G book.com. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for The Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. CEO Coach. Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And now, back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. We're back with Katie Farber, author of Why Great Teachers Quit and How We Might Stop the Exodus. Katie, help us out. Help us save this important uh, um, part of our culture here. You know, can you offer some tips and advice to the readers on, uh, to the listeners, and, and perhaps readers, we'll talk about that later when we can learn more about how to get a hold of you and your current publishing online and, and even some of these tips that we may or may not be able to get to, but can you walk us through some absolutely fabulous tips that you've put together for the show on uh, hoping to, to make things happen? Absolutely. Um, I think that the, it, it, it depends on, on, on what sort of audience you're looking at as far as for parents. I have some really clear tips. Um, I feel like educating yourself if you're the parent of a school-aged child um, as much as you can about, about what's going on at the school with reading the parent handbook and the newsletters and the websites and um, making sure that you're staying up with what's going on at the school and showing up for parent conferences and being on time um, and respectful and collaborative. And what's really important to remember, too, is if you have something you're really concerned about, um, try to con- contact the teacher um, before the principal. Try to work something out at the classroom level because that's going to make things um, feel a lot more respectful than if somebody goes right ahead to the principal with something that could be really handled in the classroom. So that's a, a, I a really ask, uh, helpful tip, yeah. unless it's something egregious, you know, something really terrible. But, um, but it, it, I want to ask you a question really about crucial. that. that- yeah, I want to ask yeah. you a question about that. Sorry to interrupt, but and I know that's, that's not okay. even really officially num- the number one tip. But do you think, in the end of the day, that 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 parents are should take a dose of responsibility on um, on teacher satisfaction and happiness? Um, you know, is, is there a role and a responsibility that, that that parents need to play in this? Oh, I really think so. I think we've seen um, really extremes of parent over-involvement or parent under-involvement. Mm. I mean, there's been reports in the media of you know, helicopter parenting and those kind of things. And certainly, um, I heard a lot about that in my interviews 
um, you know, teacher, uh, excuse me, parents emailing 300-page uh, attachments and expecting the teacher to read them, you know, within the hour or coming in in the middle of the day and, you know, demanding to talk to the teacher about a problem when they're in the middle of teaching. Um, lots of situations where there's just not that collaborative team spirit. And I think what has to happen is for, for parents and teachers to realize they're both on the same team. We're working together to benefit the child and to really keep that in mind with everything we say and do about school. You know, being positive about school, um, asking and checking in on progress, um, asking about the child's day, and keeping it um, light and lively about um, the teacher, you know, and what they're, what they're studying, and really trying to foster positivity um, because I think it's easy to sort of slip into a negative sort of blame game type of, of, um, of role, and I think the media also <laughs> um, supports that in some ways, too. So I, I think if having that collaborative spirit is key and also trying to be informed um, of what's going on with what's coming home. Because the teacher should be doing a good job of sending home um, newsletters and cur curricular items and all sorts of stuff that, that's happening at the school level. And it's super helpful if parents um, read it and, and certainly email or call with questions. Um, but, but the tricky thing is a lot of teachers have a tough time even trying to find time to use the bathroom. Um, and things like that. So, so trying to make sure that um, it you know might take a day or so to get back to them, and I think things like that. Um, also, you know, really looking at full, supporting full mentoring programs. This is another if we're thinking about how to keep um, teachers in the classroom. You know, there's mentoring programs like the one that I participated in. I think to myself, if it maybe had, if it was a little bit more comprehensive, and she was able to meet with another music teacher on a regular basis, might that have helped support her to stay? Um, in the classroom. We've got to look I at wanna, uh, mentoring programs. I want to keep this on point and on track. Let's go down through the first tip that I, that I have here, establish routine. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, yes. Um, when, when families, it's really important to establish a family routine, such as um, including healthy eating and sleeping habits. Um, it's so important for, for students and for children to get enough sleep and to get good food. I mean, studies are showing that Kids are not getting enough sleep. They're um, they're having you know late nights and they're having changes in meal times and maybe not very healthy foods. Um, a lot of times I'm I'm learning about students having TVs in their room or, or to a lot of exposure to media. So just establishing a really consistent routine is crucial to school success. Build self-esteem. Well. That's when I'm, I'm circling back to that point I made earlier, but being um, building the child's self-esteem by expressing interest in the child's schoolwork and affirming the child's worth through positive messages. So being interested and positive about school, asking um, about subjects, not generally, how was school today? Because we all know the response is going to be great, good, fine, okay. But asking, how was math today? I know you were working on fractions. Or how was art? I know you were working on that painting. So being specific enough that they, you can actually ha try to have a conversation and they know that you care about their success. Mm -hmm. And number three, communicate. Yeah, this is, this is what I was talking about with communicating openly with the school and, and making sure that, you, that, that they know what's going on at home and that you know what's going on at school and approaching your child's teacher instead of going up to the principal first, looking at newsletters and websites, and really realizing that teachers are, are teaching all day, and so they're going to try hard to get back to you probably at the end of the day or the next day. If things are going beautifully, footnote on that, if things are going mm -hmm. beautifully with the parent and the teacher, and, um, uh, you know, um, I'm sorry, the, 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 the student and the teacher, 
Um, you know, should you communicate for the sake of communication? Is that your opinion? And just make make the teacher aware. And 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 at what point within, like you know, when when kids are entering high school, for example, it's fairly uncool for parents to get involved with 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 students. I would think, at least, that's the perception I have. Um, you know, but but maybe I'm wrong about that. I think that they're going to present that they don't want um, teachers and parents to be talking in high school, but I think secretly inside that they probably would like, like let's say um, a high school student's doing really well in an English class, you know, a call home from a teacher to a to a parent about that um, would be terrific, even if the you know the, the teenage student just shrugs, um, because inside they're probably thinking, you know, hey, all right, that's just a positive reinforcement for doing something good. Um, I think it's very powerful. I mean, I know when I get messages, um, sometimes I get messages from parents that want to come and volunteer, and they'll just say a sentence or so like, um, well, you know, she's having a great year and she's really enjoying the science unit or something. And it's just really powerful. It's it's something that teachers don't hear a lot, and it really does mm. make a difference. That's really interesting and, and, and very insightful. So we, we, we as parents need to wake up. Let's go to number four, um, yeah. set realistic standards. Yes, I, I, when I um, interviewed a lot of people, it, it was clear that some parents, um, you know, they were just going to really put a lot of pressure on the teacher and the child if, if they didn't get an A in this particular subject and, or, or whatever it was. And, um, you know, it, it's really easy to have too high or even too low standards for your child. It's really hard to find that right point. But um, just behaviorally checking in with the child and saying, you know, did you get a reminder today? Or, or how did lunch go today? I know it was hard the other day when you had to move your feet. You know, really saying that our family has you know, these high standards for behavior and we think school is really important, um, but then not getting into uh, an unhealthy sort of pressure-type relationship. So, so really thinking about what is it realistic for this child, and there's lots of great resources to help with that. Um, there's great books that say there's, there's a series of book called, um, books called Touch Points, and um, it, it looks at each age level and tells you what they're working on cognitively, emotionally, physically, and where should you should expect them to be. It's a really great place to look so you can know what is realistic for a child this age. I am headed to Amazon after this interview to pick up that book. I need I need that for my son. <laughs> I, I do too, actually. <laughs> um, read I look aloud. At mine a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, check homework. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, you know, I, I run into this a lot um, with students. It's, it's, it's really important that you don't just say, hey, did you do your homework? But ask um, it, to see it. Actually see it, to hold it, to look at it, and to review it with them. Even though they might sigh, roll their eyes, shrug at you, um, it does show them a commitment to it and that, they, that they're not just going to take the easy road, which is to just say they've done it and then to not have done it. Um, so really just engaging in a dialogue about it. It doesn't have to take a long time. It could be just a five-minute review, but I think, it's, I think it's crucial. And do you think this is also crucial from the teacher's perspective? Oh, absolutely. Or is this all about the teacher's perspective? I mean, do teachers, are, are teachers assuming that their parents are checking their homework and, you know, setting realistic standards and communicating effectively? I mean, isn't that the point, I guess, of all of this? Yes, it is the point of all of this. I mean, okay. we, you know, we, we're hopeful that this is happening, but a, a lot of the time we realize that it's not, and mm-hmm. we need to say it in a lot of places. Um, so as a teacher, I definitely write um, in, you know, in some of my early letters home in the year um, some of these guidelines and suggestions for homework. Um, but I do have a lot of folks that will say, oh, yeah, you, you know, he did it or they did it, but they have no idea um, how it was done, if it, if it was even done correctly or if at all. 
Um, so so it's, I think it's really critical also an agenda book where the kids are writing down exactly what they need to do in what day. That's a, another piece um, that, that uh, parents can be checking and that teachers are checking at school. Interesting, though, because they're, you know, Obviously, we can tell you're just very simply a great teacher. Of course, I don't know that I haven't sat in any of your classrooms, but I can tell that you are. But isn't that part of the secret, perhaps, is setting the expectations both for students and for parents to to make your life as a teacher happier? Is, isn't there an obligation, and is that perhaps some of the, the, the reasons that we have some pain points here? Would you, what are your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree. No, I absolutely agree with that. I think yeah. that it's it's easy with when you have parents working several jobs, they're on late schedules, it's easy to not do some of this stuff. It really is. Um, yeah. And it can be overwhelming. I fully acknowledge that. But I think it's really critical to, to not only the success of the student, but also to the longevity of the teacher. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I have uh, some major homework to do. Okay. So uh, utilize the community. Talk with us about that. Well, you know, I, I, I urge listeners to think about the fact that a public school, you know, really can do a lot of things, but it really can't do it all, um, and especially with what's going on with budgets. You know, some schools don't have any field trips this year or they're cutting certain programs. So um, it's really going to be up to the parents to look at that to develop the enrichment, you know, to look at community learning opportunities, to expose, expose your child to the library, to museums, to the theater as much as you can. Um, and a lot of those things, if you look carefully at your community calendar, a lot of them are free or, or, or have a small cost. Um, and even after-school clubs, you know, those are usually um, subsidized a bit so that they're pretty affordable. Um, and there's lots of things that, that kids can do, but I also urge listeners to think about not over-scheduling kids uh, because I do see that a lot as well. And I think that leads to um, some stress and some lack of sleep and a sense of being overwhelmed pretty early. Monitor activities. Yeah, this is um, this is an interesting. You, you hear sometimes from your child, oh, you know, well, Billy gets to do this or at this activity. You know, that maybe it's a school performance and the kids are running around outside during it. Um, it's really important that parents say, you know, our family expects this, or we value this, and we're not going to do that. My expectation is that you're going to sit here during this performance um, and not run around in the library or something with your friends. So it's, it takes a little more hands-on approach from the parents, and that can be really, really hard, hard to handle. You want to go and talk to your friends or you want to do something else, but um, it's, it's really a good idea to, to keep an eye on, on what's going on, what your child is doing, where they are, who they're with, and what are your expectations for them at that time. Hmm. Learn at home, number nine. Yeah, this is modeling learning at home is, is really critical when you're either just playing word games or showing that you're reading the newspaper or magazines, discussing current events. If you let them see you reading, writing, and doing math, um, they're going to learn vocabulary from this. They're going to learn word usage. Um, they're going to be exposed to just numbers. I, I was reading a study that talked about just hearing um, numbers and units is just like literacy and learning language. They are developing their math language. So if they hear you say 100% or they, or they, you're even puzzling out some math and you're trying to figure out 20% off of 50 bucks or something, um, if they hear you doing that, their math language is going to grow and their success in math is going to grow. Wow, absolutely amazing. I had not even begun to thought about linguistics and learning. and, 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 and um, Wow, that just blows me away. Um, number 10, volunteer. Tell us about that. Well, you know, it's so interesting. Today I had hoped to have um, a, a parent had called me to, to volunteer in the classroom, and I was really hoping that she could because I was planning on doing a science lab. 
And a lot of teachers um, don't have extra people in the classroom. So if they're going to do something really hands-on and innovative that we want to be doing in public schools, um, then it's really helpful to have some parent volunteers to come into the classroom. Mm-hmm. So this is a, you know, it could be a call that parents could make and they could say, um, you know, is there any help that you need with anything that you're doing? And it could be a hike, it could be a field trip, it could be a lab. Um, and that's just a great way to see how your child is interacting and to also be really helpful to the teacher. So I would, uh, I would recommend that. Um, and it's also just having your child see you doing things like acts of kindness, you know, bringing a dinner over to a new mom or to somebody who's injured. You know, just having your student really see, excuse me, the child really see the parent doing, doing acts of kindness and support for the community is going to make a really big difference. Um, so, it, and it can be anything, anything the family has an interest in. Um, but I think it's, I think volunteering at the school level, if possible, and in the community can really set a good example. Do you have any advice as we close out the, the session for um, remote parents like myself um, that are, uh, my, my son actually lives in, in Colorado, um, and, uh, and I live in Boston here, and so do you have any thoughts um, on, uh, on helping to, A, foster his educational growth, um, he's in high school now, but I can share some stories uh, with some of the listeners on some fun things I have done in the past, but um, and B, just sort of how to handle this remote stage and what that could mean for a teacher, you know, to have this remote dad reaching out saying, hey, great job, I hear, you know, do you have any thoughts on that on how I might be able to help the situation for both teachers and, and my son? Absolutely. Um, I was thinking that um, one of the tips that we, that, that um, I think we skipped was, was reading aloud. And, um, and I was just thinking if, you're, if your son was younger, um, Skyping, um, you know, which is that online video communication, mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've heard of lots of parents in that situation where they would read aloud to their child over Skype, via Skype, mm-hmm. um, particularly if you have maybe a middle grade or younger child, um, that that can be a really powerful way to, to check in with your child, maybe even every day, you know, mm-hmm. where you maybe you read the goodnight book, you know, via mm-hmm. Skype. But since your, since your son is older, um, it, it might be more of a um, maybe you're Skyping to talk about the game, you know, how did, how did he play that day or, or mm-hmm. what book he's reading right now for literacy class or, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe getting that face-to-face contact would be, would be really powerful. And, and you mm-hmm. can do some of that checking in about school in that kind of conversation. Right. Um, also, you know, I'm sure that the school, I'm not sure if they have a blog or a website where they're posting the they do, yeah. that are going on, you know, keeping up with something like that. Um, and having a lot of um, online communication, I'm sure, since he's a teenager, he's probably really into that. Mm-hmm. So um, that might be a good place to stay more in, in close touch um, in a way that we're you know, just getting used to, I guess. Mm-hmm. When he was in uh, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth uh, grade, um, I would always, uh, when I went out to visit, when it was always an ordeal, I'd pick him up on Fridays and then head up to the mountains, you know, typically in the weekend. But I would always go in the morning and go go to his go to his, you know, go to school. Um, and he had, you know, several great teachers over the time, and there was always open, you know, invitation for me to come in. And I found the connection point um, was with with magic tricks. Strangely enough, <laughs> hmm. um, you know, magic tricks are great opportunities to to present and to learn and to uh, you know, to actually tell some of the kids how the tricks are done, which, you know, turned out to be uh, an interesting experience as well. So that was always the connection point I had within schools. And it just got the kids excited for one of the dads to show up. Like, is your, when is your dad showing up again to do tricks, Colby? You know? so <laughs> I bet they loved I, it. 
uh, they went nuts over it. It was it was always uh, popular. And then I did some I did some internet stuff as well. I mean, I'm in the dot com business myself, obviously. So um, I did a lot of reviews of cool hip websites that the kids could go check out to try to get them excited about the internet and the web and some really interesting uh, you know, sites that had statistical information and you know factual you know stuff and. So you know that those are just you know opportunities where I where I was able to chime. But having heard everything you said, I just I'm thinking more of the teachers now and how they enjoyed that and you know how they embraced the thought that here was a guy that cared about his kid and always had positive things to say about the teachers. And those are the little subtleties. Let's hope that more people need to do do more of maybe. Oh, absolutely. I mean, providing levity, you know, it's and delight in learning and in, in the community and engaging. You know, just the fact that you went and did that brought, you know, sunshine and levity possibly. You know, maybe they were taking a standardized test later in the day. Or, or maybe that teacher was heading off to a school board meeting where they're discussing cutting one of her colleagues' uh, you know, jobs. I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality right now in schools. And it's, yeah. it, it can be quite stressful for, for teachers not only to manage you know, the, the home lives and the, and the students and, and their varying needs, which, which is what they went into teaching for. But now there's all this other stuff yeah. um, that seems to combine, and, and like I was saying with the whole, you know, treading water analogy. Mm-hmm. And so these little things that we can do, um, they might seem really small, but for a teacher, you know, they don't really get a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's really, it, it, it just really can be supportive and uplifting. Well, this has been really an eye-opener, uh, certainly for me, and I know the listeners as well. Um, let's hope there are great teachers out listening to this as we speak right now <laughs> um, <laughs> that, uh, that are, that are uh, maybe a little bit more encouraged and, and maybe uh, empowered now to try to help, uh, you know, uh, dumb parents like me that just do not understand the intricacies of what the needs are at, at, their, at their various stages of career development. Because that's, that's the weakness here is that, you know, we make the assumption that all teachers are happy teaching and everything's great and they're being, you know, compensated fairly and, and all is well. But that's really not what's happening, obviously, when we hear these devastating st- statistics. Mm-hmm. So is in, in closing, do you, have you, um, how's the book going and, and have you gotten some positive feedback from, from teachers at least? And um, have you been able to recruit that wonderful teacher back into your, into your school system? No, I haven't. I, you know, she was one of the first people who I drove the book over to as soon as I opened the box. So. Uh, but, but um, I actually found that you know I would I've been going on to a lot of different radio shows and I kept I kept think, sort of waiting for somewhat of an ambush. But all these teachers keep calling in or ex, or post you know, ex teachers uh, former teachers excuse me and um, parents and very supportive and just realizing what's happening with education and realizing what's happening with teaching. And um, feeling like they're, they're relieved that somebody's talking about it, um, and, that, and that somebody's trying to bring it up as, as teacher sustainability as an issue, as mm-hmm. something that we need to be considering along with everything else. It seems like there's some real relief, mm. um, a definite interest in it. But I'm, t- I'm a full-time teacher, so um, it, it, it is hard for me to do a lot of uh, work on promoting it. You know, I do the, I do some interviews from at home um, at night, and I'm, I'm you know I have a, a website for the book. Um, I also have a, another book about service learning coming out um, sometime this month. Um, so I, I have a lot of online, um, you know, things going on as far as reviews for the book. You can find at the website. Um, I did have a, a really nice review in Edweek. Um, dot org, um, and that was a really that was a really great one. It, um, the, the, one of the points that I really enjoyed about that piece was that 
it was talking about the race to the top. I don't know if you mm. heard about the, the school mm. funding from the Obama administration, but um, states had to apply for the race to the top grants. And um, I, one, of the, one of the reviewers of my book said, well, why, why couldn't we have tied some teacher sustainability issues to the race to the top grant? So that if you know you met certain levels of collaboration in, in a day, or certain levels for respect and compensation or support, and that they got more points for that, and they were able to earn more for their states, hmm. that would hmm. have been really powerful. It seems like a little bit of a missed opportunity. Is your is your quick take, and I could just talk with you seemingly for hours, but is your quick take that we do need to to overhaul and, and revamp the entire compensation package and the reward package, uh, you know, for for teachers in general? Well, it's so tricky. I mean, it, it's so tricky based on where you live, um, mm. what kind of compensation you're going to get, and it's such mm. a struggle. Um, I know here in my state of Vermont, it's a real struggle because it feels like a contentious relationship between taxpayers and teachers um, every time that we're voting on a school, bu- a school budget. And um, I just wish it didn't have to be this way. I really think we should be looking at different ways of funding education so it really builds community instead of takes away from it. And, and have you ever entertained the concepts of sponsorship of children and in in uh in helping to fund education and taking super bright minds and 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 uh you know and, and using the academic community as a recruiting ground for companies and corporations to helping to fund the the academic system is that ever something you could ever imagine well i i, I sort of get um very anxious and nervous about the whole comparison of education to the business world because you know we're not making trinkets or you know uh, keychains or something you know and when you try to uh, sort of use business models with mm. education it just doesn't it doesn't work because every day every child is different you know, mm-hmm. some are coming in um, hungry. Some are coming in from an unsafe situation. Some mm-hmm. are coming in and they're blossoming and just maybe their math knowledge. And mm-hmm. you know, we've got to try to meet them where they are. It's not something mm-hmm. you can predict um, pretty <laughs> on a daily basis, on a minute-to-minute basis, even. Mm-hmm. And, and do you feel likewise there's danger in, in, in letting you know big branding companies get their brands in front of students and, and oh, absolutely. Begin- yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, it, just think I'm about sure. media and exposure to commercialization. I mean, these these children already have loads of it in their lives. Yeah. I really don't think we need to bring it into schools. I mean, right. that makes me really nervous. Yeah. I mean, sure. Think about you know different corporations and ads, and we already we already saw what happened with that with vending machines and soft drinks. You know, look at the mm-hmm. rates of obesity in our country. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Linked. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, though, we we need to explore creative ideas to make the system better. Wouldn't you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And I think everything yeah. needs to be on the table. You know, I think yeah. it, it, as long as we have teachers at the table with parents and community members and business people, but we've we've got to hear the teacher voice. A lot of time, um, a lot of times, there's politicians and people talking about teaching who have never set foot in a classroom as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that's really got to change. I think it's really easy to think you're an expert in education just based on the fact that you went to school. But um, but things have changed since we went to school uh, tremendously. Um, I feel like every year I'm teaching, there's so much to learn and, and, and uh, to try to integrate into my classroom on a regular basis that we can't just um, we can't just rely on that old way of thinking. You know, I think we've got to make sure that teachers are at the table. Katie, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more or, uh, or um, you know, um, um, reach out to you in, in one way, shape, or form with some questions? Absolutely. Um, my website is whygreatteachersquit.com. There's a contact link there. I also just began um, katiefarber.com, and there's um, a link to my email as well. 
terrific. Well, I want to thank you so much for, of course, writing the book for starters and taking on this challenging task, but also thanks for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, it was a real treat. Sounds great, Katie. Thanks again for listening in, everyone. I hope your life is a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Thanks for listening in. Until next week, we'll see you then.